but no, I feel like I feel like right after um, COVID, it just kind of left us with this need to get back to self-sufficiency. Um, I always say get back to the land, but I think I just heard you say self-sufficiency. And I think that's the phrase I've been looking for <laughs> this whole time, mm-hmm. because depending on others um, is proving to be dangerous at this point. No. I totally, I do agree. And I, I actually like your, the other phrase, I use self-sufficiency, but I also say get back to the land. Um, in fact, when I come, I, my, my son will call me, go, what are you doing? I go, I'm walking the land, <laughs> my four <laughs> acres with my dog, you know, <laughs> I'm walking the land. And it is, it's, it's what I do it, you know, every day, even in the rain. Um, it's just, it's just an amazing thing, but yes, it is. I, I think, I think when we start having, um, when we start becoming fearful of not having enough resources and, and for me, it was not trusting the information that was coming out of some of, you know, public health and some of the government. Um, I, I started hearing that and I thought, you know, I, I just don't know if I can trust them to come through with toilet paper or ramen noodles or whatever it was I needed. And, and, and then the other thing that happens because we're stuck, we're stuck in our homes, right? I'm so blessed. When I was in Baltimore, I had this row house that had a deck on the third floor, small deck. Mm. And then I had garden area. And then I, I was one of the rare homes where I had my front door was in one street and the one street and my, I could park in the back, which is really rare on another street. Rare, so I went the whole lot, you know, the whole block lot. And I had garden and I had a terraced area and I had put blueberries in it. And I had cranberries in it and I had pollinator plants and I was growing. I didn't trust the soil in Baltimore. I'd only lived there for, I moved there in 2019. I didn't trust the soil, lead, asbestos, you know, I had a 1900 year old house. So I had everything in pots and organic soil and all that. I was growing my own herbs. I was growing my lettuces. I was doing that. And it was just, you know, my son didn't care. He doesn't eat green stuff except for pickles. But I, you know, it's like, for me, it's like every day I would go out there when I had this stuff and, that was what satisfied me. I'd yeah. go on Facebook, look, there's my dinner. Right. And it would be my greens, my blueberries, my herbs, you know, people are like, wow, that's cool. It's you know, so think, satisfying. I think you said something um, uh, magical there. You said trust. No. Don't you feel like we're, we're, we're all kind of through the looking glass when it comes to trust of our government institutions? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm a pharmacist training and I have a master's in public health mm. and I have a PhD in health policy. Mm. And um, I had a father who was worked for Burroughs which is a pharmaceutical company, was um, not quite the same as the Welcome Trust, which you hear about in sometimes nefarious ways. Mm. And my mom was a nurse and I grew up just totally in this whole medical health care system mindset. Mm. I was going to be a doctor and I decided to go into public health. And um, it was something I believed in and I was like, it was, you know, I was so proud to be part of those professions and really promoted them. And when um, the vaccine, when the vaccine, when the mandates came out, it wasn't the vaccine so much that bothered me, at least at first, it was the policies around the vaccine. Mm. And it was also the policies even before that policies that we implemented around the pandemic. I mean, okay, so I'm not a virologist. I'm not an immunologist, but, you know, I've had the 101 classes in them. And I knew that, you know, this was a respiratory illness. You know, this it it was going to pass. And it was like it 
it seemed like it was really bad for older people, which I am a geriatrics. That's I do a lot of geriatrics work, a lot of policy work in geriatrics. So I was like, this is for people who are you know chronically ill and who are older. It's like it's really dangerous for them. They, we need to protect them. But all of a sudden, we're all locked down. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And the little kids, you know, they bounce back. You know, you you have a child and your child gets sick and, you know, the child's like, oh, it feels good 15 hours later. And you're like hacking up a lung for two weeks, you know, the same disease, the same illness. And it just, I was just like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? But, you know, I was still trusting the science, <laughs> trusting mm. my CDC, trusting, you know, my public health leaders in the state. And But then they did, then the vaccines came out. And, you know, I do drug regulation studies. I do a lot of drug safety work. Um, and so this is your will. I was like, I knew about not vaccines are not totally different, but yes. I mean, I was sort of like, I've always, I've always been interested in new drugs and especially in psychiatric and substance use uh, disorder sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, the vac, I didn't know anything about vaccines and, um, well, I knew a little bit about it, um, but that was not that was not my wheelhouse. But the whole idea of drug safety. But what I did do work before in HIV and AIDS, and I knew they had been trying for over a decade, um, like fifteen years, trying to use mRNA as a platform to get antivirals into people. And I knew it had been wildly unsuccessful. I knew that already. And I was like, and it, you know, people talk about that ferret, the study that the ferrets died in, you know, they said the ferrets. I, I remember actually seeing that at one point, you know, before the pandemic I was like, yeah, this just seems, I just don't, I didn't trust this genetic editing sort of stuff. And I still don't understand the platform fully, but I just remember, you know, seeing that, um, you know, in passing, you know, it was like, yeah, this, and then all of a sudden they're using this mRNA platform, which I know had not been successful. They've been trying to treat, you know, to even cure the common cold, which is the coronavirus, and um, it never worked. And then all of a sudden, wow, we have these vaccines, and it was like a Manhattan Project, and and um, I was, I was, I was like, wow, this is great. All this tech, all this work we've done before. That's my first reaction. But then, you know, I was on Facebook and everyone was really like, I got vaccinated. I got vaccinated. And I started feeling kind of like, well, I'm not vaccinated. I was like, God. And I was skeptical of it, you know, just because of past experience, you know, just what I knew. And um, and then they mandated it for my institution, for my whole university system. And so I'm a professor in my system. And I have two kids that were two different colleges in the system. And one of my kids... um. I do believe is vaccine injured from Gardasil. Mm. I was, I started connecting the dots. She'd been very ill with tick-borne diseases that just kind of like all of a sudden her body got overwhelmed and she was bed bound for about a year and a half. She missed a lot and she still has issues and you know, she still has, you know, sequela from that. Um, and I've never been able to prove, prove it, uh, but it, it was after that shot. And then she got a flu shot like two, three weeks later. And she just, she has never been the same. Um, so like when she was 13, 13, 14. And um, so I was sort of like, hmm. And so she already had medical exemptions to not get the vaccines for other vaccines for college. My son, on the other hand, was like, no way, no way. <laughs> he just, I was like, he was ahead of the curve and he's not even a health person, but. Um, he sounds pretty wise. 
Oh, he's he, my kids are great. I love my kids. Um, mm. They're really fantastic. Um, they're critical thinkers. Um, they think on their own. Mm. Gets them in trouble sometimes, but hey. But it also saves trouble. them sometimes, right? I think it does. I think it does. But when they did the mandate, and the mandate came out, I remember it came out on Friday afternoon. It was April 23rd. 2021 and it says if you want to come back in the fall you have to have this and i'm thinking to myself well what happens if you don't get vaccinated and i um and there are no questions and i went to hsr what does it mean if you don't get vaccinated do you get fired you know i'm tenured professor i'm thinking of my kids getting kicked out of school you know they're both kind of invested in a year or two into it already and um and i was no one had answers for me. There's nothing in the mandate. There's no policy. No one mentioned religious or medical exemptions. In fact, I didn't find out about how to get medical or religious exemptions. This was in April. We didn't get information until late July. Mm. And the semester starts in a, in a month. And then, and I think they delayed that on purpose. You know, it's like, oh, everyone's going to get it. Everyone's going to get it. And we did not. Right. Yeah, they squeezed you. Um, but I have to say, personally, when that mandate came out, I just spun into um, a real deep existential funk yeah. because, I mean, everything, everything I'd worked on, and I'm 60 years old now, so I was like 57, 58 or whatever, everything it was like quicksand. Everything, I'm getting emotional, you can see. Nothing, I didn't know the truth anymore. I didn't know the truth anymore. And, and, uh, so I called up my buddy, my next door neighbor at work. You probably know the name, Peter Doshi. Of course. Yeah, my buddy, when we, you know, we, you know, he's, he's in the same institution. And we actually share a wall, physical wall. Of course, we hadn't been in. And so I, I emailed him. I said, did you see this mandate? What do you think? And he's like, call me. He <laughs> 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 knows about vaccines. Vaccines are his wheelhouse, you know. Yeah. He's done a lot in that area and he's done a lot with he really knows regulatory science and and so um we hadn't really worked together then, but he said we should do something. Yeah. And I said I, I said, Yeah, but you know, first of all, you know, I had to talk to him and get it all on my system and I got red pilled in about ten days. I was like, mm-hmm. whoop, totally, totally flipped. And we start it, it working. Happens, it happens quickly, doesn't it? Oh my God. It's like baptism by fire. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was it was very intense. It was it was I've had a lot of intense moments in my life, but that summer, that April, you know, April, May, June, it was just intense. And both my kids were living with me too because they'd been kicked out of their my son lived with me already, but my girl, my daughter had been you know, got to leave the dorms, can't have right. all this stuff. So they were living with me. So we're just like, you know, we're all kind of numbing ourselves right. a lot. Right. <laughs> right. But anyways, we did our first citizen petition then. Um, Peter, I didn't even know what a citizen petition was. Hmm. And he said, this is what it was. And so we did our first one. And that launched in August of 2021. And um, And this all comes to the current citizen petition eventually. Because the FDA has so many days to respond to it. And we knew that they weren't going to respond to it till after the EUA products were approved. Mm. And um, we knew that. In fact, they were, they were, we got the response from the FDA um, less than 24 hours after they were approved. Um, 
And what we had asked was that they not approve them yet and that they don't keep them at EUA, but to do um, an expedited, uh, a compassionate use sort of, there's other mechanisms of use you can use. And we gave all the evidence that we had, which at that point was not a lot. And a lot of people were doing work in the area, but it wasn't getting published because, you know, censorship right. and uh, narrative, you can't break narrative. And um, we got the response back from the FDA and they were very detailed, but essentially, and we had, a, it was a huge citizen petition. We had lots of points and they pretty much just said, well, you have no scientific, this is no, this is not scientific evidence. This is not sufficient scientific evidence. This is not good science. And every point we had made based on science, um, and we had like two dozen people signing this thing, Um was just rebutted. So when we did this citizen petition, now a lot of things have happened between now and that first citizen petition and this one. Um, And this one was because we um, were getting very frustrated because, you know, we'd be talking to prescribers and patients and they didn't know that they weren't getting the approved drug. They didn't know. They thought they were getting Comirnaty or spike facts, but no, they're getting, the 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 EUA version, and so we'd say, and so I would talk to my pharmacy students, and they would they thought the same thing. I'm like, oh no, we're, I'm administering that in the in the vaccine clinic. I go check your vials, and they would come back and they go, you're right, it's there's no commonality on it. I said, well, get the patient labeling, but there was no patient labeling because EUAs don't necessarily have patient labeling. It says oh, reserved for future. The vaccines that were being administered were not the vaccines that were "quote unquote" submitted for FDA approval. No, even now, you can't get Comirnaty. You won't get the you won't get the approved versions. I think mm. the military does. Mm. But yeah, you're still not getting them. So people didn't even know that basic fact: prescribers, dispensers, patients, and um. We felt that in a year and a half, there had been a lot of science made on adverse safety and efficacy. Right. And so we put this current citizen petition together to cover 10 points on safety and efficacy. And, um, and we mostly used, <laughs> we used literature primarily provided by the manufacturers, by the FDA, by the CDC, and then some really top caliber peer-reviewed studies because we have those. And so if FDA comes back and says, you know, this isn't good science and it's their science or, you know, Moderna's or Pfizer's science, I was like, well, hmm. So um, we're curious to see what they say. But um, we did it for that reason, um, you know, because we would like labels. We would like, we think, we don't, I don't know how prescribers can advocate you know, for getting this vaccine, if they don't even know what they're giving, that that's not Comirnaty or Spikevax, that 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 doesn't have, you know, they have now they have some warnings about myocarditis. You have to go to the FDA website to get the information on labeling. You don't get it in the package. So and tell us, tell us a ahead. little bit about what the ask is in the petition, because I think you guys <laughs> ask for information that seems so basic that I think most people would be surprised that there's resistance to these things. Well, these are not controversial points. Nothing we're saying is controversial. Absolutely nothing. We're just saying make, we're saying two things. The first ask is 
let's put this in labeling. Let's have labeling that's available easily to prescribers, to dispensers, to all healthcare providers, and to patients. And we're also asking um, for a med guide to go with it, um, and that this information would go out to a dear doctor letter. Med guides, um, the patient labels this little tiny. It's a big piece of paper that's tiny. You know, it's it's wrapped into a little tiny thing like this and you pretty much have to have a telescope to read it it's like so tiny <laughs> well if you go get the label now it's like it's it's just all folded up and there's just a square in the middle and it says something like reserve for future use or something like that right um there was in one of ron johnson's meetings um recent ones um it might have been like november december of last year maybe January, I don't remember, recent, there was a pediatrician who says, and this is what's on the label, and she makes this big thing of an opening in it, and there's nothing there except for that little square. It was very dramatic. Um, but we want it to, we want it to have, we think that information should be available to people. And we know enough now um, from the limited studies, we know from the clinical trials themselves, um, and we feel like people should have that information. Like, for example, there's been a study on pre- for pregnant women uh, in an RCT, randomized control trial, um, that finished last year, and the results still haven't been published. They haven't been made available. And yet CDC just recently said, oh, well, pregnant women should continue to get this vaccine. Um, it's still getting pushed. You got, you know, ACOG and... Is it usual for that for it to take that long, or is that abnormal? I don't know in the EUA vaccine world. I don't know. But I, but they were delayed. The, the, the results are supposed to be due, and they should be due. They usually are pretty prompt in providing them. We just found out with myocarditis that FDA fi- you know, very quietly said, okay, Pfizer, you can have an extension on something that was due. The finish is supposed to stay end last June and be available results in December. Now, I think they have the till next July, this July, 23, June or July, 23, to finish the study. I don't even know what's going on. Um, but now that stuff's available. Why isn't it? Why aren't those pregnancy results available? And if you actually dig into some of the documents, um, you've heard about the um, public health, was it the public health and medical professionals for transparency, the PHM, PHPMT, um, which advocated that we get all the data that that Pfizer and Moderna submitted, or I guess it was just Pfizer, submitted to FDA. We get all that data. And then the and then the FDA said, oh, no, no, we don't have time for this. We can only do 500 pages right. a month. And and so we ended, you know, and then, you know, then it was going to be 75 years. And they said, oh, no, it was even more documents. It's going to be 95 years. And and then there was a suit, and the, we won the suit. And um, so we get these data dumps. And then it's actually many more pages supposed to be end you know, last year, but we're still getting dumps. They're not in any order. It's very hard to find. You can't analyze the data until you get this one single file that still hasn't been available. It's sort of like the, it's like the little decoder, you know, so this is, we'll do this and this will tell you how many your denominators are and all that. But if you sort through that data, you'll find stuff on pregnancy. You'll find some of the clinical trials on pregnancy and stuff and people it's sort of floating around on sub stacks and stuff, but it doesn't look pretty. We felt that pregnant women should know that they don't have any data on pregnancy and, and, and that if you looked at, you know, data sets, pharmacovigilance data sets that just do signals like the VAERS, um, that is actually, you know, uh, run by both CDC and FDA. And you saw that there was like, you know, a ton of menstrual irregularities and there's a ton of miscarriages and 
still birth. And there's a ton of problems with lactation. And, you know, don't forget the guys, they're having some sperm problems too. And and, pretty unmistakable to me. Yeah, I I think so. I I do too. And, um, but most people, I mean, you're in the, you're into this. I'm into this. I mean, I'm into it, you know, from profession. And then of course the red pilling of Linda, but I'm into it too. We know where to get this stuff. You know, we know that there are alternative sources. The average person walking the street has no clue. Mm. And I feel that's a tremendous disservice to them. It's a tremendous. It's, it's, it's malpractice. I feel. Um, and, and I think it's, but I, also, I think it's deliberate. It could be. Yeah. I mean, it could be. I mean, who's making uh, deliberate, it deliberate? Deliberate in in the sense that they take advantage of that. That people are going about their lives and they don't have either the time or the resources to kind of get into the weeds on these things. Yeah, they don't. Most people don't have the resources. I mean, I'm in West Virginia, and I know kids here when they were in lockdown. Um, I just hear it from some talking to my neighbors and stuff. They didn't have internet. They couldn't do the remote stuff because the internet was so blocky. So of course, even if you even if you knew how to get to it, you might not be able to because you couldn't go to the public library. You know, right. Right. I mean, the lockdowns were very effective at keeping people tamped down and information, you know, corralled and prevent people from having water cooler discussions. And 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 so that was that's that's a real shame. So yeah, um, I, I also really feel bad because there's a lot of healthcare providers who otherwise are pretty smart. But they have no clue. Yeah. They don't have time in the practices. They don't understand. They, like I, used to be, you know, like, oh, the CDC and the FDA say so. Right. You know? And so that's that's how we're trained, you know? That's how we're trained. Well, you actually, um, I heard you say something in one of Senator Johnson's roundtables that I think needs to be shouted from the rooftops and just kind of ingrained in all of our minds. Because I'm guilty of this, too. You said that the assumption on the part of the public is that mm. the FDA and the CDC go through go to great lengths to report side effects of these things. And if they're not reporting side effects, dangerous, adverse side effects, then they must not be happening. And you said people need to disabuse themselves of that notion stat because that's actually not what goes on. That's right. That's absolutely right. I mean, um, the VAERS reports, um, it's pretty tragic, actually. Mm. Um, it's very hard to make a report. And, a, and, and there are doctors and pharmacists who were told by their employers to not make reports mm. if they had someone come in and to not engage with their patients about potential vaccine side effects. So those don't even get in. Mm. But patients will get you know, like, well, damn it, I'm going to do it. You know, I, I have neuropathy now. I can't walk. I've got chronic tinnitus. You know, I've, I just had a heart attack. You know, I'm going to report this. I want to try to help. And they get in and then, you know, critics will say, Oh, it's just a patient report. You can't trust that because it's done by a patient. Right. But in point of fact, it's just a signal. And VAERS is supposed to be, um, sort of like, hmm. I see that we have a lot of myocarditis going on in young people. Perhaps we should study it. And they finally did. Mm-hmm. And they put that on as a you know a warning, kind of, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But um, there have not been follow-up studies. Um, if you talk to people, um, you know, who are kind of activists and back in the vaccine injury, you know, vaccine injured who are activists, um, they don't get called back. They don't get their cases followed up. And when they follow up, they just get kind of stonewalled. There are no autopsies that are provided to people who've died. And right now it's like 18,000 deaths, I think. It's like, it's insane. Those autopsies are not the CD. No one requires autopsies. I mean, a suspicious death, you would think. And from what I understand, yet, autopsies are are a source of a kind of wealth of information as to kind of toxicity of these things, right? They could be. Absolutely. They absolutely could. I mean, even if you take a body and you're like running, you know, the dimer test and, um, you know, troponin levels and looking for clots and micro clots and patechia on the skin and, you know, aneurysms, you know, I mean, people die of these things. But God, you know, when you're in your 20s, 30s and 40s and you're getting them, you know, there's something, and you're not obese, you know, you're not chronically ill, you're not autoimmune, you don't have autoimmune problems, you know, it's like, Come on, don't you think? Mm. But none of that stuff was required. The CDC didn't respond to people. They didn't they didn't respond to people who, you know, submitted reports and try to follow up. And and that includes prescribers as well. Um to my knowledge, there has not been a single autopsy of anyone in VAERS that was re- that re- you know, mortality reported in VAERS in the United States um that CDC got documents for or obtain medical records for, because that's what you do. I mean, you stop and you think about other vaccines that have been pulled off the market because of, you know, oh, we had five deaths. You know? Right. H1, H1N1, I think, was pulled. Swine flu was pulled for very few. And it's just like, come on, folks. It's like it's, it's like taking a baseball bat and just pummeling you. you know, boom, boom, boom. Get it, get it, get it. Yeah. So I don't know how we got to that, but it's like, yeah. And now people, I think now uh, the general public is starting to wake up because they're like, you know, some of them like, wow, my niece just died in her sleep. She was 19 years old. She was on the softball. Team. I mean, all these, you know, like weird deaths and people are, or people are just like, you know, I just have not been feeling good ever since my booster. And and, and people are sharing that because, you know what, we're not in lockdown. But I, I the, the bivalent vaccine has not been uptaken at all. No one's mm-hmm. taking it. No one wants it. That's definitely a positive thing. You know, I, w- I was reading through the comments on the petition, the comment section. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to read a few here. Mm-hmm. Thank you for submitting this superb petition. I sign it with gratitude to you all. Thank you. Due to the absence of informed consent, the plethora of adverse side effects, including death from the mRNA COVID shots, these products need to be removed from the market immediately. Another one. When are you going to research the bad batches? We are all suffering. Please help us vaccine injured. Pfizer refuses to answer our emails. At the time I checked these comments, there were 130 some odd comments that were registered. I got, yeah, there's been an uptick recently. I read through, I would say at least half of them. I want to say it's 60% of them. And I couldn't find one positive. (laughs) <laughs> comment or one comment against this petition. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, the people are speaking. They are speaking. The first petition we had, I, I think we had like 15 or 1600 comments. Um, 
And then because of an, a, a procedural thing, we had to withdraw it and re-put it. And they just, you know, they didn't have those. They didn't take the comments for the first one and put it with them. They're now there. There's not a single negative, not a single negative mm-hmm. in our first request. No, um, people are speaking. Um, and and that was that's the other reason we really wanted to get this out there. It's a complicated document, but it really isn't. I mean – it's if you can get we're actually you know when we send it out to people we always have like a little bulleted thing like you know these are the highlights but we want people to take this document and share it to what we call with a with a group we call the middlers mm. people who are starting to kind of go hmm something <laughs> right. just isn't right in vaccine town i can't figure it out or it just seems like you know people something who are weird's ready, going on people who are ready to receive information yes because what we felt felt was that this was um and we actually had probably probably close to 30 maybe more different points we wanted to make i mean the document was going to be huge um and we just decided to do five efficacy and five safety sort of the bigger ones that we felt were really important there's a lot of others obviously but um and the ones that had the best evidence and the ones that you know the FDA CDC and the manufacturers themselves you know kind of have that data there so we couldn't refute it Mm. um and so we want people to take that and just look at it because when the fda and the cdc are saying one thing but then we present them with you know documentation that there actually is data you know contrary to what they're saying publicly we think that's really important we think it's really powerful and so that's why we're trying to share it you know as much as we can that's really the main reason yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's something that everybody can get behind, and I think that if that happens, there's going to be real power to it. Tell us about mm-hmm. the mechanics of um of this process. Um, how long does the comment period go for? Are there thresholds that need to be met? How does this work exactly? I think comments are up till. I think it actually had it on the front. I think, I can't remember if it's 90 days or 180 days. I think it's 90 days because mm. it's federal register. I think it's 90 days. It might be 180, but, um, and the FDA has to respond at the, you know, within a certain time, I get confused of whether it's up for 90 days and the FDA has 180 days to respond or vice versa. But, um, the process is it's up till, I think until April something is when people can give comments and, um, and then the FDA has to respond to us and they post their response in the same place. It'll be a, the 12th document. It'll be the response because we have 11 documents. We have, you know, PDFs of all the studies and stuff that we had that we cited in here. So people can look at those as well in detail if they want to go even deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, so the FDA will respond. I, I personally don't think the FDA will have you know honor any of our requests mm. i'm very curious to see what the responses will be i don't think they can just say oh this is science this isn't science there's no evidence here i don't think they can say that i do think it'll be very interesting to see what we do what we can do or other people can do with the information to the fda's response i think that's you know? i mean people who have suffered adverse reactions to these vaccines i mean obviously that's not the only group that anybody who cares about medical transparency should go ahead and and lend their support to this thing but for those for that subset for people who have Mm -hmm. suffered adverse reactions to these vaccines this could serve as kind of an outlet right 
I could. I, I, it might. It might even provide legal fodder, depending upon how the FDA responds. I, I don't know. It'll be curious. I, I'm very curious. It could be fodder. And I know that, you know, a lot of the people that have commented on sad, I know some of their names, you know, mm. that have commented on the citizen petition are injured. But, you know, it's also people like me who aren't vaccinated and, you know, never in my wildest dreams would I think that I, who was like, you know, totally against mandating vaccines would be so aligned with people who kind of willingly took them and many of them in clinical trials. Mm. And yet we're kind of fighting the same battle, even though we're on different things of fence. You know, we're, on, we're fighting the same battle. We're, we're, we're looking for informed consent. We're looking for medical and health transparency. We're looking to get um, justice because mm. just as the vaccine injured were injured and, and people who died, I mean, what a loss. But people whose lives were curtailed because they didn't get vaccinated also were injured. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, other than my three months of existential crisis, um, it has changed me fundamentally and it's made me not trust the system. I look at my kids, I look at some of their friends who aren't vaccinated and, um, they've suffered more. Mm. They've suffered more. Um, you know, when you're 18 years old and you're in college and the school newspaper is saying the unvaccinated should not be allowed to be on campus, they shouldn't be allowed to be students. I mean, that really, oh, psychological damage, if nothing else. My son was still required to wear masks in his last semester. He graduated in December. And, you know, when I asked him, well, do you want to, you, I'm so proud of you, honey, you graduate, you know, he goes, you want to walk? And I, no, 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 mm. don't want to walk. Hate mm. that place. Got my degree. I'm out of there. Mm. My daughter feels the same, you know, and I just feel bad for for people as well, you know, who weren't just injured, but people who were affected by the policies around what we now know is clearly not an effective treatment or a preventive agent and can cause harm. And many people, the harms outweigh the purported benefits. Well, I was thinking about that this afternoon. You know, this this vaccine, and we have, uh, you know, a couple of years of hindsight now, this whole thing that we've been living with for the last few years. This vaccine doesn't, these injections don't prevent transmission. They don't prevent you from getting COVID. Um, it seems like the only thing they do is effectively deliver mRNA technology. And nanoparticles and lipid nanoparticles and spike proteins. And if anything, you know, the data are coming out, you know, especially from Europe, UK and all that. And the more vaccinated you are, the more likely you are to get COVID, the more likely and it's going to be worse. You're going to have longer, you know, you have more sequela from the actual COVID um, and more likely to be hospitalized and or die. So it's even amping, it's it's ramping up your propensity to get sick. It's it's the reverse. That's a great and point. It's, it's not that it's just it's not just that it's not effective, it's actually harming you. And there's been some stuff that's come out in the bivalent, and I, I it's very sciencey. It's like too sciencey for me um in some ways, but they're looking at the 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 coding, the gene the components, the molecular components of the mRNA and whatever. And the bivalent supposed to be Omicron and the original. There's actually, from what I understand, stuff that's 
new stuff that's added to that. That's not Omicron or Delta. They don't know what it is. So Lord knows how your body's going to respond to that. But yeah, so here we are. Here we what are. A world. What a world, I tell you. It's well, exciting. And the, and it? and the, I'm I couldn't sorry, write this. I couldn't write science fiction as good as this. <laughs> oh, no, if you want. <laughs> and I write and I write fiction. I, I, I actually had a, I actually had this like science fiction dystopian thing going on before the pandemic. And I was revisiting it during lockdown because I was looking, you know, to start a new project. And I looked at it. I just threw it in the trash can. I said, no way. This is like so lame. <laughs> if, if you walked, that's such a good point. If you walked into a Hollywood meeting with this story, you'd get laughed out yeah. of the room. Well, yeah. Even though, yeah, they do say a lot of this stuff sort of like, you know, you look at some things, some movies and stuff, and people are like, oh, you know, it's what they call it, predictive, predictive filming or something like that. Predictive yeah, programming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my God. I actually watched White Noise the other night because everyone was talking about it with the Ohio derailment. Right. I didn't quite think it was predictive, but even though I guess they had actors, they had extras from that town, but it was just like, but yeah, I can't watch the Hunger Games anymore. <laughs> no, you can't watch that. I you can't, can't watch, watch it. <laughs> a movie like The Matrix just hits a little too close to home these days. <laughs> so. I do watch The Walking Dead, though, because this sounds really bad. It's like, I think I can learn survival skills from it. Well, I think, I mean, in a strange <laughs> way, I think that's kind of predictive programming as well. I mean, I don't know if, if it's going to be, you know, literal zombies that are going to be roaming about, but... Um, there is very much a us versus them kind of thing going on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and sometimes I think people who are super vaccinated kind of are zombies, you know, the personality, some people I know, a few people I know, their personalities have really changed. I mean, they, I think they've taken a lot from us in ways that are um, really kind of immeasurable and it's sad to see. I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, in the few seconds that we have left here, Linda, please tell the folks where they can find this petition online and where they can follow you and your great work. Oh, wow. Well, um, I can tell you can go to um, www.regulations.gov backslash document backslash FDA dash 2023 dash P dash o three six o dash zero 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 one and if you want to put it up we might like we might put that in the show notes right yeah you might want to do that because then you can comment and, and people can read it in its entirety um and then they can comment there's a little comment box comment box up in the left hand side um how can you find me well i have a sub stack um what is it called it's called professor moose um professor city mouse moose? City professor moose m u s I think it's professormoose.com. It's the subtitle is the city mouse moves to the country. And I, I, I talk a little bit about this sort of stuff, but I really, really um, like to write about um, sort of how the world is changing and how to find solace and uh, some peace. And that's my, my country home is my, my sanctuary. So, but yeah, I think but it's been I great talking are, to you. I think those are very, very important um subjects and i think it's something that we all need to need to kind of focus on in the coming weeks and months and years yeah so get thee to the cabin mike (laughs) exactly right get thee to the cabin i can't wait 
Um, yeah. Well, thank well, you thanks. so much. This has been fun. It's, it's, it was a real pleasure connecting. Please come back and visit with us real soon. Absolutely. I sure will. I'd love to.